Welcome to the Dacus Report, hosted by Pacific Justice Institute founder and president Brad Dacus. For 25 years, PJI has counseled, represented, and defended people whose religious freedoms, parental rights, or sanctity of life have been obstructed or violated, all free of charge. We leave no one behind and level the playing field for Americans as they are subjected to the tyranny of the powerful. Now, here's Brad Dacus. Welcome to the Dacus Report. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. On today's show, we're going to talk about some major Supreme Court decisions that came down late last week that will impact religious freedom for business owners, for employees, as well as just plain equal protection and equal treatment under the law, irrespective of your skin color. We're going to talk about these cases and more. Uh, and I'd like to welcome to the program attorney Michael Peffer, who heads up the Southern California Office for Pacific Justice Institute. Welcome, Michael. Thanks, Brad. Great to be here. Now, there's a there's sort of an extraordinary meaning of the 4th of July, wouldn't you say, uh, compared to the rest of the world? We sort of take it for granted. Yeah, we do. Like, like you know, yeah, every country has its 4th of July thing, Independence thing. It's no big deal. Yeah. It actually is a big deal. Uh, despite yeah. what the, the radical left would like to say, it is very significant and why, why, why do you think it's significant, Michael? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that the, uh, yeah, sure, many people could criticize the founding of America and the left uniformly criticized them. But the framers, the, the, the author, for instance, of the Declaration of Independence, wrote that we, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. And that is a remarkable document looking at history in general, that a nation was founded so that right from its founding and its inception, people are equal because they're created by God. The, the, uh, the, the uh, if you will, imagio dei, we're created in the image of God. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute, that, you know, that constitution that we ended up adopting and all, um, you know, it had slavery in it, allowed for slavery, treated African Americans as like it was like two thirds of a person yeah. for purposes of uh, you know uh, assessing uh, the size of congressional districts and representation. Yeah. So there there was some definite uh, you know some some um, errors if you will. Sure, sure. But yet I've also heard it pointed out that but for the Declaration of Independence and then but for the the, the Constitution. Yes. Uh, establishing those principles that all men are created equal. That's right. Um, we may not have had the later correction. Yeah. It was that principle is what led to freedom for people there at the time of our nation's beginning, but also the later freedom That's right. uh, of individuals uh, after the Civil War. Absolutely. You know, the, the issue is, is the reason why we think it's abhorrent is because our nation was founded on different principles. Right. Yes, of course, at that time, there was a grievous, evil, horrible thing called slavery. And many of the framers actually owned slaves. But the reason we now think, and we've looked at it, and we see the history, historical perspective, that we're abhorrent is because we know we are created in the image of God, and therefore, doing such things as holding slaves, owning people, of killing babies, these things are evil. And we know that because of what the framers said, that we are created in the image of God. 
Right. And and therefore we should have freedom. Right. So yeah, I think that that to to argue that somehow it's mm-hmm. evil because some slaveholders held that is misses the whole point. The point right. is it got changed. And the reason it did is because of our Christian heritage. That's right. And the fact that we recognized that all men people are created equal. Right. And it was from that foundation that we've been able to continue to uh, to refine that and and to secure that, uh, and then when we see people like you know Planned Parenthood and radicals on the left trying to, even today try to say no, um, some people really aren't people. Yeah, some people exactly. aren't entitled to full rights of personhood. Yeah, we'll let we'll let the the preborn have a you know right of inheritance. Yeah, but we're not going to give them the full right of personhood. That is the right to life. That's right. I remember when I was in law school, I I dealt with a professor on that issue. He talked about how. At the point of conception, the preborn at the point of conception uh, is entitled to the full rights of inheritance at the point of conception. So if the father dies and doesn't even know what they conceived, uh, and it says to all my children, that conceived child yes. at the point of conception is entitled to the full inheritance rights. And I said, well, you, I said, but professor, um, I just want to make sure I've got this straight here because I, I want to make sure I understand this. So you're saying... That the point of conception, the preborn is entitled to full inheritance rights as a human being, as a child. Yes. But under Roe versus Wade, they're they're not entitled to the more basic fundamental right to, to life, to live. Yeah. And That's he looked right. at me and he goes, I know where you're going, and we're not gonna go there. <laughs> and the reason <laughs> of course we're not. Because <laughs> whenever you violate the laws of nature and nature's yeah, God, you have right. confusion. It doesn't make sense. And yeah. we, we see that over and over again from the, in the transgender radicalization movement. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. We have conflicts uh, in terms of understanding personhood uh, because we've, we're deviating from the laws of nature and nature's God. Fortunately, our founding fathers understood that when they, dra- when they wrote the, the Declaration of Independence and the later final drafting of the Constitution that we, right. we use today. Absolutely. And that's, we should celebrate that fully, that we have that kind of a nation in America where, uh, so for instance, we, we, we heard a lot of um, uh, catastrophization of things from the left when Roe was overruled. It was about time that it got overruled. But nobody would disagree that this over, overruling Dred Scott and the other pro-slavery decisions was wrong. Nobody would say that. It right. was, in, uh, it was a, a correct decision, it was a good correction, and a correction was because of our Judeo-Christian values. Yeah, and Plessy versus Ferguson was overturned, and that was not the result of, say, judicial activism. That's right. That was re- the result of judges going back and looking at the actual language of the 14th Amendment. That's right, exactly. Um, that's all we want. Yeah. That's what the courts did in a number of decisions. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, they didn't engage in judicial activism. They said, hey, let's go back to the original intent of the language of the Constitution. Yes. And the amendments and the strict construction. And let's, let's fix things by going back to the original intent. Yeah. Now, activists, if, if activists, their problem is they don't look at original intent. They want to go away from it. That's to further right. some radical agenda like Sotomayor so famous for. Exactly. And Justice Jackson, who's, who's on the court. Yeah. Um, they're the enemies, effectively, I believe, Michael, the enemies of the Constitution. Yeah. Because it, they're enemies of the original intent and the strict language and construction of the Constitution. Yeah. And they're willing to let their agendas go beyond that. And so let's talk about that if we can now. Uh, I know that 
the Supreme Court came down with a big decision for religious freedom with regards to Christian business owners or people of faith yes. not having to compromise their faith uh, when it comes to providing goods and services that are in a disagreement with their, their faith, yeah. and specifically a Christian web designer. Right, and we have followed this issue very closely because that's what we're all yeah. about at PJI. And, and so because we saw it in the Masterpiece case, a Masterpiece cake maker case, um, and it, we saw that, that, but the court didn't go far enough on that. In that case, the court said Colorado was hostile to Mr. Phillips' faith and therefore struck down the decision of Col uh, Colorado's decision. So they really hadn't ruled on the big issue That's right. of the rights because of their religious beliefs That's right. not to have to provide customized services yes. to someone or some entity that violates their faith. Now, this That's case right. was dealing with a same-sex marriage couple. They, they, they wanted to have a wedding ceremony, and this individual, this Christian individual, had a graphic design business. Yep. They wanted to uh, provide customized uh, you know, graphic designs for each individual wedding, putting pictures and yeah. And, and, and lay it out and, and sort of in a very positive way. Right. And this Christian graphic designer says, you know, I can't do that. I can't glorify something with my customized skills that is abomination to God, is a yeah. direct disagreement with the Holy Word of God in both the Old Testament and New Testament. That's right. So they, she was very strong in her Christian faith. So a lawsuit was filed on behalf of an intolerant same-sex couple that did not want to be respectful of her and her religious beliefs, that wanted yeah. to push their agenda down the throats of everyone around them. Uh, who cares about people who have a different worldview or, or different beliefs? Yeah. And the lower first, the lower court, federal district court, how'd they rule? Well, the original case was at the, at the human rights board okay. that they have, and that, that ruled, that's a, the so-called public accommodation law, ruled that this woman violated that. Okay, then what happened? And then it went to court. It went still... At the federal district court level. At the level. district court level, it didn't protect. So it once didn't again, protect her once rights. again, this Christian person lost. Okay. That's right. And then again, at the, um, at the I think it's circuit the 10th court, circuit. Circuit court they, level. They, they still did not vote. Um, to, uh, they still did not give her this freedom that right. she had been seeking. So she basically lost three times yes. in a row. Yes. Then it goes to the United States Supreme Court. Yes. And they ruled just as last week on Friday, six to three, saying, no, this Christian web designer cannot be forced to create something that violates her faith and conscience. What was their, their rationale for this? Uh, some people say, you know, she's discriminating. And, and yeah. you know, what, what was the, what's the rationale of, of this opinion? So I think our audience will be good to remember that, first of all, this is, this is not simply, um, and you and I have talked about this, not simply a matter of selling shoes. This is an expressive activity that this woman, Lori Smith, um, that she she had a, a, a web designing business and she designed custom wedding um, websites and they're all the rage now. You'll go to a wedding, you know, they'll have their own website and such. Well, she would create a custom one that's geared to Christian faith, the Christian faith of the couple. And so she said, "I can't do this." So first of all, we got to remember it's an expressive 
kind of service that she provides. And the court said, and, and I think Gorsuch's words here are, are good, the, the First Amendment's protection belong to all, not just the speakers whose motives the government finds worthy. Consistent with the First Amendment, Justice Gorsuch said, the nation's answer is tolerance, not coercion. The First Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government desires. At PJI, we exist to serve everyone in need of counsel, representation, and defense of their religious liberties, parental rights, and the sanctity of life. We don't take cases based on how high profile they are. We are workhorses, not show horses. Keep current on PJI's work on all the legal challenges we face on a daily basis by signing up for our Legal Insider email newsletter at pji.org. Now, back to the Dacus Report. Michael, the other big case that came down from the Supreme Court was dealing with a postal worker who'd worked for the U.S. government, the Postal Service, for a long time, chose to work for the Postal Service because he wanted to have Sundays off to honor the Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath, keep it holy, yes. uh, to go to church. That's why he went to work for the Postal Service. Then years later, the Postal Service says, okay, we're changing the rules here. We're going to make you work on Sunday. That's right. And, and if you don't do that, you're fired, and your vested retirement is out the window, for, to some degree anyway. Yes. So a lawsuit was filed. This went to the United States Supreme Court. That's right. <clears throat> and he proved, it was indisputable, that he had a sincerely held religious belief and convictions. Yes. And so under Title VII, he met that part of Title VII, under the Civil Rights Act. Uh, and then the government's the obligation then under Title VII is to reasonably accommodate those beliefs absent an undue burden or hardship. That's right. And that's where the, the issue plays out. Yeah. Uh, was there an undue burden or hardship for the government to accommodate him and allow him to have sat at work on Saturdays instead of Sundays? What happened and why is this case so significant yeah. for these face-in-the-workplace cases? Yeah, one of the things that's really important to understand here, Brad, as you know, is that Title VII says, it's very plain in Title VII, that it, the, uh, the employer has to accommodate unless there's an undue burden. Well, m a lot of cases since then have interpreted undue burden to mean a de minimis burden, which means a very slight burden. And so just like just something more than a inconvenience. Yes. Just, maybe even just an inconvenience. Maybe just an inconvenience. Yeah. So just like it's it, basically the case law just truncated it to have very little protection for people of faith in the workplace. That's right. And and we we've seen that we're going to talk about this in a second. We've seen it in these cases involving vaccinations. So the employers have developed this position that, oh, we don't, we don't really have to do anything. Oh, no, it's a burden. King's X, step away from me. Get away from me. You're fired. But th this went to the court, and the court was only determining whether or not this so-called de minimis burden standard 
was going to be allowed to survive. And thank God the court said emphatically no. And this was a unanimous opinion. Yeah, that, that's what's so significant. Even Sotomayor, the, the God-hater, yes. uh, you know, who's not so friendly to faith yes. almost all the time, even she voted for it. Maybe it was peer pressure. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, this was very significant. And what I thought was, was great about it was you know, what the court did they didn't engage in judicial activism here. No. They just went back to the original intent of a language. That's right. You know, the, that se section 701J, you know, this was passed and that language for uh, the Civil Rights Act was, was passed for creating this undue burden standard. And they said, it says what it says. Undue <laughs> that's, that's exactly burden. What they said. Exactly. It's uh, not just a burden. It has to be an undue burden. That's right. That's so right. they said, how can you look at this language and read it, interpret it to mean anything other than what it says. It's like, it's got to be a real undue burden. It can't just be this de minimis or inconvenience, yes. which is what some court judges had established in the past. A lot of judges. In fact. Yeah. So, a... so this is a major, for decades, we've had this bad case law just the, with activist judges weakening the protection of people of faith. And now, in the workplace, and now we've got this great case law protecting postal workers, and not just postal workers, it protects others too, doesn't it? It protects all employees who are governed by Title VII, and who, what, which who, is basically any employee, I think over 50, if they have to have 50 employers, employees, uh, I believe. Or is it 15? I think it's 15. It could be 15. I, yeah. I apologize. Yeah, no, no. It's, yeah. It's, uh, but I mean, there's, there's some re restrictions that apply to the 50-employee standard, and there's yes, some things to the 15-employee right. standard. And then you've got some states... Uh, applying it but with their state civil rights statute all the way down to like five employees. Yes. So this is really significant in terms of it applies to, to workers, generally speaking, who work for either the government or for people in the private sector, people who work for Nordstrom's, yeah. uh, people who work for Southwest Airlines. Yeah. Uh, it applies for hospitals. It applies all across the board uh, with the exception of a small business owner uh, they're not going to be necessarily impacted. They're, I think it's still good policy for them not to be intolerant and try to uh, reasonably accommodate people of faith who yeah. can't do certain things that they want. But uh, I think the reason they have small businesses sort of exempt is because you know, if you only have, say, five or six employees, uh, you don't have that same versatility to accommodate when one employee says, yeah, I can't work these days, these days, and this, I can't do that, I can't do this. It's hard to get other employees to substitute when you have such a small number. I think that was part of the reason that small businesses are exempt. I agree uh, as well. And, and, and this really, um, what's wonderful about this case, uh, among many things, but you made a really important decision with respect to vaccine cases. Uh, back in 2020, in fact, when, when this was all happening, you decided that, you know what? If someone articulates a religious belief that's sincerely held that they can't get the vaccine, then they, we should represent them. And we did. Um, we, we, we talked to, supported, and now represented literally thousands of people uh, in, in, this, in, in this whole issue. And we've got a lot of cases in litigation right now that involve this burden and that's uh, many of the defenses that have come back have said, hey, it's, it's a de minimis burden, so we could just do this anyway. Yeah. But that doesn't apply anymore. 
Yeah, it is a major game changer for the majority of our cases right now. Yeah. We have about 90 cases coast to coast all across the country. That's right. Dealing with employees of faith uh, who are were fired or are going to be fired, uh, mistreated, and not reasonably accommodated. Yeah. And I would say the majority of those cases are going to directly be impacted because employers are saying, well, it's just inconvenience. Well, you know, you know, we didn't want to have to, to really go out of our way to do anything to help people of faith. We'd rather just fire these, these yeah. Christians and get yeah. them out of here. That's right. And, and we have this growing intolerance towards Christians in the workplace. The S&P 500 companies uh, effectively are purging, in my opinion, purging people of faith from the workplace under pretexts like vaccine mandates, yeah. for example, or LGBTQ mandates and things like that. So this is, I think, is going to be very important moving forward, protecting people of faith. Uh, people who don't like this decision are people who want to be able to fire Christians easily. Yeah, that's right. And that's the intolerant, <clears throat> hate-filled uh, radicals in the LGBTQ movement. Yeah. They're not happy about this because they're like, dang, you know, people in management, it's going to be harder for them to, to get rid of Christians working for them. It is, and it should be. You know, what we have often said, and I, I've, unfortunately, I've had to tell clients, we, we got to get prepared for the ride here because we didn't know at the time that we were going to get this case ruled on. So we said, hey, we'll fight these cases. We'll fight them right down to the end, but we don't know what's going to happen on this burden issue. And now we can speak with much more hope and clarity on how the courts should deal with these cases uh, that it's no longer okay an open season to fire people because they have re- because they have religious beliefs that keep them from getting a vaccine or that keep them from um, setting forth the, the company line like teachers who are being made to say, oh, um, I, 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 I support calling you by a name other than what your name really is, by a sex other than what your birth sex is. These these are cases that I think are going to be a lot more tenable now because of this case. Yeah, it's it's going to be a, a big impact. So we at Pacific Justice are excited about this. We are indeed. It's going to impact thousands and thousands of people we're representing right now. Yeah. In courts <clears throat> across the country. Um, so I mean, I you know the court talked about a postal worker. But, boy, it's so much more than just a postal worker. Absolutely. It's It's every employee. It's basically basically, basically, every employee. Yeah. All across America, where the the American flag is flying, this is a great win for religious freedom. Now, the Supreme Court also ruled to stop using race in college admissions. Now, there were two defendants. One was the University of North Carolina. And for that, it's, it's a government educational institution. So they went ahead. And uh, they went and applied, applied the Constitution, the 14th Equal Protection Clause, 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause, uh, to the Constitution, to, to the University of North Carolina. Harvard is not the government, so they can't apply the Constitution mm-hmm. to that. Uh, it's not a government actor, but they did apply Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, which says, oh, by the way, if, you know, if you're a private entity, if you're using government funds to fund a program, then you're also bound and not to, to uh, you know to discriminate and to do based on race, ethnicity, religion, etc. Yeah, and that's what this case was all about: race-based discrimination, giving 
uh, discriminating against Asians, Asian Americans, uh, Caucasians, uh, in favor of uh, other minority groups, uh, and, and on, on grounds other than merit and academics, yeah. instead of looking just at their skin color and saying, oh, you're too white, we don't want you. You're too yellow, we don't want you. Uh, yeah, black, that's what we want. That's right. Uh, yeah. That's what the case was about. That's right. And we, we hasten to add, this, has n- this is nothing about being able to discriminate against people of color. That's not what this case was about. And that's not what these, these race-based admission was about. This is purely about the fact that all up applicants have to be treated equally. All applicants. Right. So, no so, matter what race they are, yes. they have to be treated equally. Yeah. So basically what it's saying is you, you cannot discriminate based on skin color. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're here to, to serve and don't hesitate to contact us. If you'd like to keep up with our cases also, I encourage you to go to our website, pji.org. And also on October 28th, we're having our big celebration of justice. It's going to be a fantastic event. Just go to our website to get tickets, pji.org. We would love the opportunity to continue to serve you. Just visit pji.org and click the Legal Insider button to sign up for our email newsletter. At PJI, we help individual employees, employers, business owners, pastors, students, citizens of every stripe through our practical resources, counsel, representation, and defense, all free of charge at pji.org. PJI is an island of stability and assurance in our ever-churning sea of legal and societal chaos. We are here for you. So folks, just remember, it's our God-given freedoms we're talking about. Now, let's choose to keep them. I'm Brad Dacus, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's continue the fight for your freedoms.